at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Welcome to the show today. Of course, there's Rational Thoughts. If you want some more Rational Thoughts, be sure to subscribe, click below, get show notes, get some tips, get some secret sauce from us, um, especially on this show today, folks, because I got a really cool guest. Um, she is the self-proclaimed extraordinary word ninja. She's chief visionary officer of RTI Publishing and host of the Author to Authority podcast. Hmm, sounds familiar. Um, now, the funny thing is that this, this guest did not write for 30 years after a teacher told her at seven years old she was no good at writing and should stop. Quite frankly, that's not even proper English. Um, and she came to a crossroads at some point and chose to let those painful words not stop her. She let them go. And since then, she set the world on fire. She's written five books with two more on the way. And most importantly, she started RTI Publishing and has helped over 150 entrepreneurs become authors and authorities. She understands the power of words and cannot wait to share with you on our podcast as well as her own podcast called authortoauthority.com forward slash podcast. So check that one out too. So in the meantime, I'd like to introduce to you my friend and another publisher in our space, Kim Thompson Pender. How are you doing, Kim? I'm doing awesome, Doug. Thank you so much for having me on. Great. Now, it's I got to start with this one thing. People think, wow, you're, you're bringing on, sounds like she does exactly what you do. I'm like, well, yeah. Probably a lot of, we have a lot of similarities. Well, wait a minute, isn't that competition? And my response is so, it's so brief. You gotta remember this one. Like, let me ask you a question. How many, uh, you know, how many, how many diamond rings you have? Oh, I got one, right? Okay. How many cars do you have? Well, one, maybe two. How many books do you have? Oh, I don't know, a hundred, 200. Are they all from the same publisher? <laughs> you know, in our business, we have no competition. That's right. Zero. I mean, there's so, I mean, nobody has just one book. And if you do, I wouldn't want you as a customer, quite frankly. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so, yes, Kim does a lot of what we do, and we have a lot of similarities. So, it's going to be great to chat with her today and talk to her about what her perspectives on the author to authority concept. So, I'm more interested in hearing about your background for a minute. Kim, tell me about that, that teacher, the, the bad grammar teacher when you were seven. So, the story actually starts when I'm four and my mother passes away. Oh, sorry. And, you know, that just really kind of, it totally changed my life. And by the time I was seven, I was so desperate for a mother because now I was different from every other kid. And in grade two, that teacher, she was beautiful and she was smart and she was talented and she was wonderful. And I wanted her to be my mother. And I emotionally overwhelmed the poor woman. I can remember, you know, always wanting her attention, being the first to raise my hand, getting upset if she didn't pick me. You know, I really thought my dad was going to marry her and she was going to become my mom. And I don't know if she was married. I mean, she was fairly young. I don't know if she had kids of her own. But I know that I emotionally overwhelmed this poor woman. And in grade two, I could start to write stories. And you know, if you haven't figured this out, Doug, I've got quite the vivid imagination. So I started writing stories. And I remember the first time I handed her my story and she liked it. Well, you know, that was all the seven-year-old grieving heart needed. And I wrote 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 and I wrote. So every day I was just handing her piles of paper and I was expecting her to read them. 
and affirmed me as a little girl. And like I said, I overwhelmed her. And one day she just looked at me and she said, Kim, you should stop writing. You're not a good writer. And, you know, that was that turning point. And it, I did. I didn't write for 30 years after that. But when I came to that crossroads, I remembered those words. And I looked back at that time. And I recognized my role in it and took responsibility for it. I forgave my teacher. And I decided it was time for me to let my words go. Wow. Not only is she a publisher, folks, she's also a therapist. So just keep that in mind. All those words, <laughs> I forgave her, let it go, took my responsibility. Holy crap. Um, what was a crossroads? What was the turning point for you then? So I had been an entrepreneur since about 1993. Not a successful one, but, you know, Quiz. I was one. And I had an opportunity to get a website. Now, yeah. back in 2011, you could do your own website, but it was not easy. And so... Um, one of my mentors had a package that I could afford to get a website done. And I had won my own website forever. And so he, he was doing this website and he emails me and he goes, okay, Kim, everything's set up. We just have to set up your blog. And I, I emailed him back. I said, what's a blog? I didn't know. I mean, I've been reading them, but I didn't know that's what it was called. And when he responded, I only remember about the first line of the email. It says, you have to write. And at that moment, I was in the crossroads. That was actually perfect, Kim. The crossroads and the music comes in like that. That was beautiful. It's like she's doing theater here, folks. It's great. Outstanding. That, those epiphany moments are so galvanized in our head, aren't they? I mean, everyone remembers those, those turning points. And so you had to write and... What next? So it took me three days to write my first blog post. And, you know, I, back then I wrote everything by hand on paper and then typed it into the computer. Um, that very quickly became tedious, but that was my process back then. And I must have, you know, crumpled up about 50 or 60 pieces of paper. I mean, my floor was just littered with paper. And finally, I had this blog post, I put it up on the website, and I had just enough courage to ask a few people to read it. Well, they really liked it. They thought it helped them. It was beneficial. So that was all this 40-something-year-old heart needed. And I began writing blog posts more and more and more. And then, you know, I knew it was time to start writing books. And that's a long story. But let's just say that, you know, so many times with a hair's breadth, I almost gave up. The computer also almost went out the window. I don't know how many times. And I had to learn the hard way. I didn't have money for courses. You know, I could, I could afford $25 for a small course or so I spent a lot of time buying small seven $25 courses to answer one question that I needed. And I Googled a lot of things and it was really hard. And like I said, the computer almost went out the window. I don't know how many times. The only thing that kept me from it is my husband's a tech guru and he would have gotten really upset if I had trashed the computer. So that's, yeah, that's probably part it. of the story. <laughs> okay. All right. So you got into writing. That's a beautiful thing. And then what was your first book about? So at that point I was in um, network marketing Okay. and I had, I had a growing team and I just wanted to write books that would help them build their business. So the first one I wrote was, Network Marketing Recruiting, 50 Free or Low-Cost Ways 
to find, you know, recruits and customers. So that was the first one. And then I wanted to teach my team how to sell. So the second book was um, how to sell $10,795 a year in network marketing and MLM. And then the third book was called MLM Mindset Minutes because, you know, it's great that you have all these skills, but if your mind and heart are in a good place, you're not going to be able to build a business. So those were my first three books. I wrote a little free book on network marketing. Uh, Then just because I thought it would be fun, I learned how to do Sudoku books. I learned how to do some planners. So, you know, that kind of brought me up to about 2015. So you can do a Sudoku. I thought those were like computer generated. I don't know how you do that. How do you do those numbers well, on this? The soft, I had software to generate the okay. puzzles, yeah. but then I had to format it all so I could put it in a book. And that was yeah. the hard part was figuring out how to format this thing because you yeah. know as well as I do that when you start adding images into books, it's not always fun. So I've, yeah, it took me quite a while. Uh, yeah. But I did it. I figured out how to create Sudoku books. <laughs> Amazing. That's great. All right. So you're doing the books in the MLM business. And at some point, you start helping other entrepreneurs create their books. What was the transition from Sudoku and MLM to that? So it's now 2015. And my son's getting married. And it was a very expensive year because he was getting married. And we had two vehicles that we were driving by faith. So I don't know if you've ever driven a vehicle by faith before, but the vehicles were at the point where they were no longer fixable. Um, We had decided that we weren't going to go into debt for any more vehicles. So we were saving up to buy two vehicles. So I would get in my vehicle, pray I would make it to where I was going to go, do what I needed to do, get back in my vehicle and pray the angels would get me back home again. So I was on a, a freelance site. I'm very creative. I'm crafty, uh, you know, very creative in music and writing, but never ask me to draw. I can't even draw a straight line with a ruler. It's just, it's really bad. So I was on a freelance site uh, looking at a graphic designer and I had one of those God moments. And I just really felt like I was supposed to look at writing jobs. And I could not believe what people were paying for writing jobs. And I looked at them like, oh, oh, I could. So, oh, yes, I'm applying for that one. And so I just started taking on writing jobs because I needed extra money. And because I was already an established author, my books had good reviews. You know, I could prove that I could write. I got jobs right away. Cool. That's beautiful. So the... uh... Driving on faith. I think you probably started that first bumper sticker. God is my co-pilot then, right? That was yours? <laughs> just guessing? It's just a guess. I don't know. Good deal. All right. So, and then and you're, you're, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, obviously we have a fit, similar businesses. You write for your, you ghostwrite for your clients as well, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so, so give me, give me some, um, how that, how the first started. You're, they came, hey, I want to write a book or I can't write it. Or how does that work for you? So when I first started, I was on freelancing sites. So I would just apply for jobs. People would want books written and and I would apply for them and and I would do them. But within about a year, you know, I had people asking me for editing and, and cover design and formatting and all that kind of stuff. And because I had done it all myself, learned how to do it, I started taking on those kind of jobs too. Mind you, the graphic design wasn't the greatest. I used a lot of templates back then. 
but it just grew really fast. And within a year, I knew it was my passion. I knew it was my heart. And so I decided to start a company. And in the beginning, I was just taking on whatever jobs I could get, you know, freelancing sites, different places. Um, I had had someone uh, who was a publisher hire me to ghostwrite um, in about partway, about most way through 2016. I knew I had so much work, I couldn't do it all myself. So I started bringing on, I brought on my best friend who's an editor. Uh, she now helps me run the company. So it just, it kind of grew organically. I, I had no clue what I was doing, but I just knew that I had found something that I had such a passion for and it kind of took off from there. That is great. I love it when a, a passion and purpose come together with a business. That's a, a beautiful thing. So when you do this for people, I'm people need to understand the, the process here. Cause I think they, a lot of people, when I talk and they go, oh, go, I don't want to go through I don't want to write my own book. And then I read their samples and I'm like, well, people will fall asleep. So you might, can you address the fact of how ghostwriters, I'm guessing your people as well, have to help mirror that person's voice. You and I talked about the interview process mm -hmm. and trying to help, a, help a, you know, almost clone a person's personality into the book. Can you talk about that, how you guys do that? Yeah. So there's all sorts of different types of ghostwriters. So there's some ghostwriters, you just tell them what you, the topic that you want, they go research it, they write it, you slap your name on it. But those are not the kind of books that Doug and I do. I call it a signature book. Now I work with entrepreneurs, professional speakers and coaches, and we create books for them that they use as foundational marketing tools for their business. So two things are incredibly important in these books. One, the book needs to sound like them. So if a family member read the book, they would think that they wrote, wrote it. Two, it needs to be well-written. If you're using this book to represent you and your business, you know, it better be logical. It better have a lot of value, better create relationship. It better have good flow, be readable. You know, all of those things that you want in a book and relatable. So Doug and I do these kinds of books where we just really focus in on capturing our client's voice and more importantly, the heart of their message. Because every client that I've worked with, and I'm pretty sure Doug has as well, has a strong message that they want to share, a strong message or a strong story. And so it's capturing that voice and writing it in a way that captivates the audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Too. Spot on. Absolutely. Um, I was talking to my, my business coach last year, actually, when that pandemic started out. He's listening to some of my recordings on my sales calls. And he said, wow, this first guy you talked to, you are so excited about it and passionate. It's not a great call. The second call you had, you were kind of bored, you know, not rude, but just not interested. And I, he said, why is the difference there? And you can guess why. I'm like, well, the first guy had a really passionate story and a purpose in life. And the second guy, he was a former TV star, talk about himself the whole call, and I could care less. He wasn't serving, he wasn't serving the plan. He was serving his ego. And I just wasn't interested. And my coach said, Why'd you talk to him? I needed the business. <laughs> and he said, but he didn't hire you. I'm like, I know, because I wasn't interested in it. So again, why are you talking to him? Well, I need the business. Well, he said, if you stop talking to people that aren't in line with your values of purpose and intention of making the world a better place, if you don't talk to the other people, just talk to the ones you want, your business will grow. 
And I said, half my people are egocentric. It's not about, so don't talk to them anymore. How my business is going to grow when I cut my leads by half? He says, just do it. Business went up 300% last year because I stopped talking to egocentric people and started focusing on people with a story that matters, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, and it's fun for us because I yeah. can get behind their, their idea, right? I've got one guy, um, he's a former Coast Guard commander. And I said, what's your purpose? Why are you doing this book? Doug, I'm going to end veteran homelessness. This way he talks. I said, like in, in your area in Pittsburgh? No, the whole country. I'm like, big, wow. hairy, audacious goal. I'm like, I'm in. I'm with this guy for life. I said, I don't know how long it's going to take us. Maybe it'll take a couple generations for this. Who cares? We're on this lifelong mission now to end veteran homelessness. So it's it's enough about me. I'm talking more about you. Tell me about your, when you, um, sorry about that. It's okay, because I enjoy your stories too. No, it's, it's, let me ask you a question about a person's journey during the ghostwriting journey. Because we a few times, some people are, are, are consistent in their journey and some people kind of drop off during the process because mirroring and editing their voice sometimes takes a little longer than they'd like. Do you have any problems with people losing their passion mid midway at all? Not their passion. They get overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah. It, it's kind of like they get halfway through the book and the reality of the fact that they're writing a book hits them and yeah. they're kind of like, oh, oh, we're, like we're halfway through. Like we're going to publish this thing. Like people are going to read yeah. this. And they usually, you know, they we kind of take a lull in the middle because they just yeah. need some time to process the fact that this is actually happening to them yeah. and with them. So that's normally the case. Now I did mm -hmm. have one client and her story was just so incredible. She mm -hmm. came out of, she was born and raised in Pakistan. Um, she married a man. She was living under Sharia law. He was mm -hmm. very rich and powerful. Yeah. Um, he tried to have her and the kids killed and she had to flee to the United States. Okay. So when we were working on this book, what, what she didn't realize at the time is she had a lot of emotional unresolved issues. Ah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So the book took about three times as long as it should, because she had yeah. to keep stopping. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. Fine. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. You know, like deal, deal with it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, the book publishing the book's important, but not as important as your mental health. Right. And if you if right. you're emotionally can't handle this right now, yeah, don't you, yeah. then let's take a break until you can. Right. Yeah, that's right. smart. So I would think I was talking I was not talking to I think I was on our, our call with Bob Berg. We're talking about sometimes I feel like I'm as much of a a therapist as a book coach, right? We're doing a lot of this. Some days. <laughs> people are, they're writing their, coach, book coach. Right? They're writing their books for cathartic reasons. I'm like, okay, well, and I got to hear their story. Okay, yeah, okay. How many times do people say, my, my story is so amazing, it's going to be a movie? Do you Actually, a lot? very few. Most people, most people, it's the exact opposite. They're like, I don't think my story is that good. Like, I was talking to a gentleman today. Huh. Huh. Um and I won't go into his details, but right. he had, he has an amazing story. And, you know, we were talking and he's like, Kim, I know my story's not that great, but I just feel like, you know, God wants me to get it out there. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like your story is amazing and it's going to totally completely help people. So I tend to get the opposite end where people mm -hmm. are like, I don't even really know if I should be telling my story. <laughs> I don't know what the ratio is. I think about 20% of mine 
oh, they, you've never heard something like this before. I'm like, all right, try me. <laughs> they're all great. I don't mean to be uh, a curmudgeon about it. Everyone's got like amazing journeys and whatnot, but they always think that they're, you know, they're better than, no, you're not better. You're special for sure. We're all special out there. But um, yeah, the, the movie thing I get, I think I get about 20, 20, 30% of the time. People think their story is so amazing. It should be a movie. And I was like, have you been to the movies lately? You're not, I mean, if you're writing a script for Transformers 12, maybe, right? Fast and Furious 30. They're, they don't put about good movies anymore. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, he just, like, like I just um, saw that they're going to be releasing The Matrix 4. Yeah. It, it, Hollywood's more business than art, right? If it, if it made money, okay, we'll do it again. Makes more money. It's, 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 that's okay. It's a business, but I well, do I have a couple friends. a certain point, like, how many times can you tell the same story, right? Like, well, now, it depends on how much variations there are. Like, if they don't vary it enough, it's no good. Matrix, right? But um, James Bond franchise is pretty well, and there's been, like, 20-something of those. So, same thing, villain hero. Um, anyway, it's it's interesting stuff. This The script thing is, is very fascinating to me. I got friends in my from my past and my college years that are in, in Hollywood, and uh, it, it's all about storytelling at the script level. People love crafting stories and sharing it. But at the production level... You know, it's all about the dollar. Will this thing make money or not? It's tough. Although with streaming now, there's more opportunities for creatives to get their stories, uh, you know, made into visual mediums. But I don't know. Um, what's been the um, the craziest, you don't have to mention names if you don't want to, unless it's already out there, but what's the craziest story or book you've ever worked on? So the craziest, Crazy, interesting. Yeah. craziest book would be Sherry Lewis, uh, My Skeletons Have Names. And she tells her incredible story of growing up uh, in an abusive home. Uh, she marries three narcissistic men who abuse her. She's then with a fourth boyfriend who almost kills her several times. She's got three different kids from three different fathers. Um, she was addicted to alcohol and drugs. Uh, her kids were involved in a terrorist attack. And so this is her story of how she not only survived all these things, but has learned to thrive and is now helping others learn to deal with the situations um, in their past. And every time I've talked to her, I'm, I'm like, Sherry, I swear you've got more lives than a cat and God's got a plan for your life. So that's, that's probably one of the really crazy ones. That that's amazing. I uh, was working on this one book that the author I think is abandoning it, but it's about unconditional love. And she had connected with some pretty powerful people out there. And one of them was uh, Scarlett Lewis. Scarlett is one of the moms from Sandy Hook. And I had a chance to interview her for about a half an hour. And I'm going through her story, her journey. She's a good storyteller, talking about her son and whatnot. And it was like, when the call's over, whoa, I could, I was so draining. Yeah. So uh, emotionally powerful. I haven't, uh, it was, yeah, crazy stuff out there. Um, what about, um, you can't mention names on this question, so I'll be careful, but. Do you have anybody come to you with like a really um, they had no shouldn't have shouldn't be an author? Not really, because yeah. you know I, I I tend to attract very high quality people. Yeah, right. But I did have one gentleman um, who was a lawyer mm -hmm. um, who wanted his sort of memoir book written. Yeah. And he was into a lot of things 
ethically and morally I could not support. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like this guy's a top level lawyer, so you got to be really careful what you say. So I, I had to, um, you know, find a way to let him know that I was not interested in, in writing his book. Send him my way. It's okay. We're good. <laughs> uh, no, this guy, like no. I, you know, I missed um, emailing by a couple of hours and, you yeah. know, he sent me one of these emails, you know, guilt tripping me and demanding. And I thought, yeah. Oh, no, no. It's not going to get better with age. Yeah. We, um, uh, we used to do some, you know, books for physicians and we don't do books for physicians anymore. That's just, it, not a good, not a good fit. But I've had a couple. I've had a couple of felons uh, create books with us. Um, one of them was the um, a gentleman, uh, Joe Gagliano. He he uh, he has the world record for the largest point shading scandal in sports history. Um, he did, he did two terms in the federal pen. Uh, another one I can't talk about because he's back under uh, investigation again. But he did. He is actually innocent. Um, it was a government collusion. Uh, at the federal level, it's it's horrible. I've done, I've interviewed three people on that topic, and none of them have been able to publish, because you can't fight city hall, and you certainly can't fight the feds. It's not yeah. a good idea. So, yeah, we tend to stay with the uh, you know business leadership, nonfiction stuff. Do you have anybody ever come to you with a want to do a fiction a fiction story where you go write fiction for them, or you focus just on um, nonfiction? Yeah, but you know, my immediate answer is that's not something I do, right? So we don't even really get into the conversation because I don't do those right. kind of books. Yeah. Though I have thought about learning how because I want to do my own family history, sort of my version of roots. Because <laughs> I've been idea. studying the um, my genealogy and that and yeah. learning the different stories and things. So uh -huh. at some point, you know, like when I have time, I might, you know, do it. Yeah. But yeah, but right now yeah. I'm just I'm researching the family history and yeah, do a cre creative nonfiction. You know, you can always embellish it, make people look better than they are. So I don't know. <laughs> um, all right, so let me get some some uh, some tidbits and takeaways from you, uh, Kim. Um, talking to someone who's just thinking about doing a book, they think they can write, but they probably prefer a ghostwriter, but they're nervous about it. What advice would you give them? So I think you know if you're going to write a book. I think you have to, a nonfiction book, right? So something that you're going to use, you know, build your business with. I think if you can answer these three kind of questions, I think it's going to put you in a good place for your book, whether you write it or you work with a ghostwriter. So first of all is you want to know who you're writing the book to. It needs to be targeted. If you want your book to be effective, it has to be targeted. So who are you writing this book to? You know, when you picture someone reading your book, what do they look like? What's their life like? What do they do, right? Think about all of those things. And then if you, um, the next thing is, you know, what message do you want to send to them? What message do you really want to give to them that's going to be strong and powerful and change their life? And then third, what stories from your life can you tell that's going to help the person relate and then take that to the next level. So those, that's what I would suggest is just really get a, a, a good grip on who you want to write to and the messages that you want and the stories of yourself that you want to share. Yeah. Brilliant. Good stuff. If somebody, if in your opinion, if somebody wanted to write their book themselves, um, what kind of advice would you give somebody who can write a they can write. Okay. But maybe not. They've been, maybe maybe they blog 
or written a few articles, they want to tackle a book. What kind of advice would you give a person like that? So first of all, find a course to take, right? Because writing blog posts, writing a book is a whole big different beast. So, you know, find a, a good coach um, or course or coach to work with you. Find a good editor, right? And listen to that editor. Sometimes we get so emotionally attached to what we write, but find that editor that's not only going to do your grammar, but it's also going to help you develop the book. So this editor will look at it and say, okay, you know, this section's way too long. It's too repetitive. Let's scale this back. It's in the wrong order. Let's add a story here. So there's editors that can, I call a developmental editor that will help guide you in getting the book into a good place. And then, um, Third of all, don't stay emotionally attached to that book because it's more about making sure that the reader is going to benefit from the book than making sure that you write all the things that you want. Beautiful. What good good advice. I love that stuff. Um, you guys, uh, Kim Thompson Pender, fellow fellow publisher, good what do you call? Oh, you're extraordinary word ninja word ninja and chief yes. visionary officer. I'm I'm just I'm just Doug Crow, but I, I like your title better. Extraordinary <laughs> Word Ninja and Chief Visionary Officer. Go to the author to authority.com forward slash podcast. Listen to her podcast. And anything else you want to uh, you know, this is shameless plug time. Go ahead and give us what you're so with. my book author to authority, keeping yeah. with the brand, right, is yeah, coming yeah. out uh, in October. So if you've That's enjoyed good. what I've been talking about today. Um, there's a lot more of that in the book and you can get the mm -hmm. first two chapters for free. So you go to author to authority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. All right. Go to author to authority and find that link. I'm not going to repeat that one. Good job, Jim. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. You're a, a true, uh, a true cohort in this business and keep up the good fight. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on Doug. I really appreciate it. And you I bet. enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thanks so much. All right. That wraps up today, folks. Folks, folks, folks. Um, enjoyed. Hope you enjoy the show. Come on uh, every day here for another episode of the Author Brand Show. You're going to want to take notes. Go ahead and click below and subscribe. There's some goodies there for people to subscribe on our website or go to Spotify, iTunes, you know, wherever you want to go. YouTube's also there. Thanks so much and have a great day.